Down the right field line. Pretty well hit. LaVarne way. It's the right way here tonight. Yogi Berra said it's 90% mental. The other half is physical. My name is Ryan LaVarneway, Major League Catcher and Minor League Grinder. And I've spent the last 15 years playing professional baseball while evolving my mindset. I'm fascinated by optimizing that 90%. In this show, I'll talk to elite athletes and mindset coaches about what makes them tick and how they've overcome obstacles in their own careers on the way to finding success. This is Finding the Way. Hey guys, welcome to Finding the Way. This is Ryan LaVarnway, and today my guest is Amobi Okugo. He is a Major League Soccer player and Olympian who came out of Southern California, but he's a first-generation American. His parents were immigrants, and he went to UCLA. He has done it all, and he is now spending his time helping make other people better, which I always appreciate. Amobi, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a true honor. I appreciate that. Well, I, and I appreciate your time and I appreciate everything that you're about, man. I was doing my research on you before this and, and it turns out you, you made it to the major league soccer, but you didn't start playing soccer until you were 10 years old. Is that right? No. So I didn't start playing competitive soccer until I was like nine, 10 years old. So I played for my, my school team, just like local school team. My parents, you know, being immigrants, they didn't really know how soccer worked in this, uh, in this country. They just knew that they wanted me to play sports and be active and build relationships and, you know, all the benefits of playing sports when you're younger. But it wasn't like they didn't know anything about, oh, competitive and youth national teams. It was the help of, you know, a school classmate, their parents. They were like, your son should probably, you know, stop playing for the school team. Uh, <laughs> and then that's how it that's how it came about. So fortunately, you know, that parent um, saw some potential in me and, it, or was able to help my parents in terms of understanding like all right they got a trial for the local competitive team and then from there they should him, him, they'll take care of the rest um and that's kind of how it happened well and your, your parents put you in soccer as a team sport to get all the benefits of team sports right learning how to share learning how to win how to lose be a part of something bigger than yourself but they they didn't see it as a potential career is that right they wanted you to be what a doctor a lawyer what was they they had three potential options for you as a first generation american <laughs> yeah you remember so if you're nigerian american oh, this will definitely uh, um, be in your memory uh there's like three options doctor lawyer or engineer um my parents were are still very to this day very big on education so originally playing soccer it was you know to do all the things that you said and you know stay active and event hopefully maybe like use it to talk about for a potential scholarship, but it wasn't, you know, to ultimately go pro. When, when did that cross your mind or did it, or was it, was this an option to get to a college that might be out of reach academically or might help you get in the door, get you some scholarship dollars? At what point did it become your dream or was it ever your dream? Yeah. So for me early on, obviously I grew up in the nineties. So like, Michael Jordan was the big thing, but then also from a soccer standpoint, watching the Nigerian national team at the World Cup and then the Olympics, you know, it's everyone's dream to be a pro athlete, but it wasn't like, all right, I'm going to do this and then take this next step and do this. It was just like a dream out there. Um, so I, wanted, I would say when I was 12, when I first got, you know, started getting to invited to like the ID camps and then the youth national team camps, and I was like, all right, this is this is what I want to do. And what set you apart from the other players? You said you weren't playing necessarily competitive. You were just playing on your school team. 
The, yeah. And there's there's millions of kids across the country that are playing soccer, playing baseball, basketball, football, all the sports for their local team. And there's millions of other kids that are that are uber competitive, that are paying thousands of dollars a week or a month uh, for the top private coaches, for for the top instruction to enter all these tournaments and travel all around the country. What set you apart? Was it was it something physical? Was it something in your mind, in your mindset, or your competitiveness? What made you different and better? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, not to sound like you know uh, cocky or anything, but I was I developed. Uh, at a young age so I was like uh, faster than most of the kids um, but also like from a tactical standpoint and just understanding the game and being able to anticipate uh, that's kind of what set me apart at a young age and uh, fortunately you know I was pretty athletic as a young kid and um, just combined those two things to help me um, help me develop and help me uh, perform uh, Help me understand the, the the tactical part you're talking about. I don't understand anything about soccer. <laughs> I, I have I have no foot eye coordination whatsoever. No, it's all good. So what's the tactical part you're talking about? So just like so when you're younger and like youth sports, especially soccer, it's like everyone just like huddles up and like everyone follows the ball and it's like a bunch it's like like a bunch of bees swarming a nest. Whereas when I was younger, I understand that and kind of predict where the ball was going or avoid all the traffic of everyone crowding the ball. So uh, that just helped me out uh, tremendously to avoid all that traffic when you sports. So it's just like uh, understanding of the game at an early age. In baseball, we call that baseball IQ. It was that kind of a like a soccer IQ for you? Exactly. So instead of like, all right, the ball's at midfield and everyone's trying to rush, I was just like kind of weave my way up top. And it's like, all right, now it comes there. Or like defensively, like cutting out angles. So yeah, you, you, soccer IQ basically. Awesome. So so you you start playing for the competitive teams. You're recruited to the youth national team, and in high school you end up leaving your high school to go to the IMG academies. And I, I've heard you talk about how that was just an amazing opportunity for you, but it was also a hardship because you were away from your family, the typical high school dynamics of adolescence didn't exist there you didn't get to go to the team sports games on friday nights with all your friends you didn't go to dances where you got to chase girls or or you didn't have the the lunch breaks where you got to socialize what was that like and how did you overcome those obstacles in still being a kid but also having to grow up really fast no that's a great point so everything in hindsight you know i wouldn't change it for the world but at the time you know being a cali kid uh, moving across the country on your own was a, a, a different experience. But to be able to share that experience with, you know, 40 other young men that were hungry to achieve their dreams helped ease the pain of, you know, missing the proms and the school dances and the social events and all the things like so early on, like the first three months, six months, you go back home and you're like, what did I miss out on? And like, oh, my gosh, I got to try to catch up and, you know, see what's going on. But after that, you're like, you know, the experiences that I've been able to have uh at a young age at an adolescent age like those are things that you can never um you can never take take away how did you how did you build those new friendships quickly and or what was your support system like uh, i'm a big believer in having a support system i think every person needs six roles in their life you need a, a coach or a mentor you need a peer you need someone that encourages you no matter what, it's going to be your cheerleader. You need someone that's going to be your, your BS meter yeah. that, that, that makes sure you're not doing anything stupid. And then you need 
someone that is going to be your sounding board that you could just talk to and is not going to solve your problems. How did you surround yourself with, with people that were going to fill the roles that you needed in your life when you were across the country away from your family? That's a great question. And I, I love those uh, six people you need in your life. I definitely going to have to you know, copy that. I, I was like <laughs> writing stuff, just writing those down. Uh, for me personally, I think being able to, you know, share that experience with, you know, other young kids that were like me, uh, we kind of almost like an iron sharpens iron uh, framework. And then the residency program that was uh, located at IMG, they did a great job of, you know, providing us with resources with, you know, mental conditioning coaches. So like, obviously, most recently, mental health is like a big thing. But we knew about that back in 2004, 2005, like 13, 14, 15 years old, we had mental conditioning coaches. So, um, you know, having that as an outlet and then being able to like, you know, continue to talk to my parents um, was a, was a, was was good. Um, but then it wasn't until I got older um, and having those um, those six key members to your team or to your to your ecosystem um, where I was able to like really build that out and have that in a more structured frame, framework. So so you're at IMG. You're playing all over the world. You're in Argentina one week. You're in France the next week. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're playing everywhere. You're you're a 17 year old kid, and then you go to UCLA. When everyone's saying you should just go pro, you just you should just play pro soccer. How did you make the decision to go to college instead of go professional? Oh my my parents. You know they were big on education. Like it was already a jump to allow me to go to residency and have that opportunity, um, and that opportunity allowed me and you know blessed me with the the great chance to have the option of going to essentially almost any school i was um able to go to and uh ucla was too good of an opportunity to pass up and for my parents obviously in hindsight it was like at the very least go for one year to at least experience what the college um experience is like and um so it wasn't like Oh, it's college or not, or it's pro or not. It was, you have to at least go to college first and then you can always go pro after that. What's the soccer, what are the rules around soccer with going pro? I know for baseball and I know for football, once you step foot on a four-year university campus and start one class, you need to attend for three years before you can go pro. Soccer, apparently you can go after one year or two years. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you can go uh, after one year. So my college coach at the time, he still jokes with me today. He said he recruited me for three years, and then I only gave him three months. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you can you can go whenever. Soccer is unique in the fact that because it's a global game where you know kids are playing or making their debut at 16, 15 years old. Um, in order for the U.S. to catch up, they've you know um, constructed different mechanisms uh, around um, college and uh, youth, youth sports or youth individuals um, to be able to play pro if that option is an opportunity for them. Okay, so you, you go to college for just one year, but then you built it into your contract. Is that right? When you went pro, you said, I'm going to finish my college degree in the off season or, or online. How did that work out for you? Yeah, so I was fortunate because uh, MLS uh, was so forward thinking and, you know, trying to entice young players to go pro at an earlier age because, you know, growing up in America, we're so used to you go to college, then you go pro. Um, but the world game, you go to 
you go pro and then you can figure out the education if you're proactive about it. So MLS came out with uh, the Generation Adidas contract. So it was basically a program that enticed uh, younger players um, or underclassmen to go pro and you'd get a higher salary, but also you get reimbursed. Uh, you get like education reimbursement or education stipends up to a certain amount based on what you're able to negotiate. And um, so I was part of that um, generation Adidas class for my year. And um, that essentially that was the only reason why my parents <laughs> were uh, rece receptive to the fact of me going pro after my freshman year. So you keep mentioning your parents and I know there's a lot of parents out there that value education, mostly because they've seen so many athletes have such a short career, even if they are able to make it to the professional ranks. I, in one of your, your other posts, you talk about how the average length of a professional sports career is three to five years maximum, the average, three years. Yeah. You're going to be an ex-athlete for a lot longer than you're going to be a current athlete. And those athlete paychecks, as big or as maybe not so big as they might be, are going to end. So exactly. what you've done, which I think is very, very cool, is you've started a podcast, a network, a consulting business, uh, a speaking business around helping current and pro former pro athletes not go broke because nobody loves to see a former pro athlete go broke. But why was it so important to you to go to school? You've talked about your parents. Why was it so important for you to finish your education? And then what led you down this road of financial education and helping other people? No, that's a great point. I think for me personally, obviously, you know, I, I highlight my parents a lot because they sacrificed a lot for me. And, you know, they, they pushed me in ways that, you know, sometimes I probably wouldn't have expected of myself. But I didn't want to give people any excuses, you know, uh, and I'm sure you can attest to it as an athlete. People were like, oh, they want to put you in that bucket. They want to give you a label. So for me, it was like, all right, yeah, I can be probably one of the better athletes, but I'm also probably one of the better students in, in my class. So for me personally, it was I didn't want to give anyone an excuse. You know, as athletes, we, we tend to get labeled and whether it's like, oh, he's just a jock or he's only focused on sports. So I really put an emphasis on not only making sure that that inclination or any idea of, oh, he's just into sports was put to rest, but also, um, you know, personally, you know, I feel like if you're not learning, you're not earning. Um, and you always got to continue evolving and education is the number way you can do that. Initially, obviously, I use school, but that's not the only way you can continue to educate yourself. And um, that's what it's all about. As it pertains to a football athlete, I think for me, when I came into the league, you know, MLS is still at a place where it's not to the level of, you know, MLB or NFL or NBA. So I was more curious in figuring out how athletes, you know, maximize their career. If it's only so long and you're making, you know, X amount of money, how are they able to, you know, transition seamlessly or positively? And um, I was curious and wanted to find roadmaps and there wasn't enough out there. So it was, I took it upon myself to create a platform to, you know, give myself leverage, but also other athletes that may be curious and may be proactive to have outlets or resources or roadmaps, because at the end of the day, uh, you don't know unless you're exposed to it. And I think a frugal athlete is one platform that, you know, is, is looking to do that in this space. 
I love what you're doing with it. And, and exactly like you said, you're giving people a roadmap. You're giving people an example of how they can use their sports salary where they get a head start. They're, they're ultimately getting a nest egg at a young age in life. And how can you turn that into something that you can build upon or something that you're not going to lose really ultimately? Exactly. Um, something you said in at the end of a podcast that you did that I was listening to is you can only be remembered two ways. You could be an example or you can be a warning. Yeah. And that's so powerful to me. What is the example that you want to set? Oh, that's a great question. And yeah, um, I just want to be someone that um, is considered a facilitator. So helping, uh, you know, helping people achieve what it is that they want to achieve, whether it's through a connection, whether it's through, you know, providing a roadmap, whether it's advice, um, whatever, whatever it is, uh, I just want you know, people to, when they think of Ramobi, obviously good standing, you know, person, authentic, but he was a facilitator. He helped uh, put me in touch with this person who ended up, you know, hiring me for this, or he helped me define my goals. So now I've started my business, whatever, or he helped me handle overcoming an injury, um, or he highlighted a story that I was interested in, or I didn't know I was interested in, now I'm passionate about. Uh, my goal is to be a facilitator and help others identify where ways they can leverage their unique skills. That's awesome. What, what are the things that you do on a daily or weekly basis? Obviously nobody's perfect, but is there a set of activities or a set of items that you try to do to set yourself up for success? Yeah. One right now is, you know, working out. So I try to work out every day or some sort of, whether it's working out or some sort of self-care, um, I, I make sure I focus on that. Sometimes I don't, I try to get it like first thing in the morning. Sometimes, you know, I, I like to sleep in, I'm still working on any morning routine. So if you have any, please suggest, <laughs> uh, but I have to get a workout and that's like something that I do for me. And I think in this world, when we're so tied to hustle culture, or, you know, obligations that we have. Uh, we have to figure out uh, me time and me stands for most essential. Um, so I always try to figure out my most essential time and, you know, making some time for workout or some self-care and then going from there. Your it's, it's amazing how closely tied your physical health is to your mental health. I've also heard you talk about journaling before. How important is journaling to you and, and what is it that you're writing that is either maybe gratitude or goals or to-do lists what do you focus on when you when you journal? Yeah, that's a great that's a great. Uh, I appreciate you reminding me and bringing that up. So journaling for me, uh, and it was a quote that was shared with me. The uh, the shortest pencil is longest is longer than the uh, uh, longest memory. The shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. Okay. So you know, I I like to write things down. Uh, uh, I write things down, whether it's thoughts, feelings, uh, tasks, goals. I, I have like I have a notebook like right here right now. Um, as it pertains to journaling specifically, uh, one of the things that I do is, you know, write down one thing you're grateful for at least every day. Um, and that's um, that's kind of the, the bare minimum of what I journal if I journal on a daily basis. And what does that gratitude help you with? Uh, it just helps you reset. You know, as athletes, we're naturally competitive. We're naturally always looking for the next, 
win or next goal. And sometimes we just have to sit back and, you know, look in hindsight, like, oh, wow. Like as an athlete, oh, maybe your career didn't go so well, but yo, you went pro. Like how many people can say that? Some perspective, or, right? Yeah. Or you're not a starter. It's like, yo, you're one of 22 guys on a team, you know, respect that. Like, uh, I wish I played 15 years. You played 10, like, you know, take advantage of, or be grateful for the opportunity that you're in. Um, your health is in, intact. Your family's good. You know, things that we we take for granted because we talk about things like, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow, or you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it next year. It's like, who who knows about tomorrow? Who knows about next year? So like, making sure I journal and like show things that I'm grateful for, um, just helps me keep everything in perspective. I love that. During COVID, I ended up taking a an online class that was called the Science of Happiness. And oh, yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. yeah, the teacher. Well, I did. I did your podcast for those of of the listeners that haven't heard of the Frugal Athlete podcast. I I did that one with you too. But there's five scientifically proven activities that you can control and do on a daily basis that will guaranteed make you happier. And you just named two of the five that you that you automatically already built into your progress of a gratitude journal and exercise the other three for people listening is, is me- 10 minutes of meditation uh, doing something kind for someone else without expecting anything back and social connection of just talking with somebody that you enjoy you've, you've already built two of these into your life it's pretty amazing before i let you go i always ask someone at the end of this episode if you had to talk to young amobi or if you had to talk to another kid a youth player that has big dreams and wants to to do some of the things you've done what is the best advice that you could give them? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, so young me or uh, sorry, the first, the second question that you said, uh, young person that's looking to achieve fail forward. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, don't be afraid to make mistakes because as you make mistakes, you're going to continually improve, develop, evolve, and ultimately get to where you want to go. There are many ways to the top of the mountain, but the only way you can get there is if you fail forward. If you're scared to, you know, shoot your shot, um, hesitation, uh, perfection is the enemy of progress. So I would say fail forward. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to um, that person that's going to help you get that deal. Don't be afraid to, you know, extend yourself or ask coach for guidance. Um, I think that's big for me personally, I would say start now, you know, I still regret there is uh, we did a, a Adidas like all-star trip my first year from my rookie year my second year in the league and one of the media guys gave me a flip cam because i was doing a lot of content for their for the group during the time and he was just like yo you have a you're good at this like you can keep the flip cam that you were using to create content and like just have it and um if i would have started like the things that i'm doing now um who knows where I've been, but, um, yeah, start now. If you have an idea, write it down, find a way to do it, whether it's, you know, once a week or once a month, but you got to start and, you know, build those reps. That's awesome. Start now, fail forward. The importance of journaling, physical exercise, uh, build your support system. Everything you said is so helpful. I really appreciate your time. Amobi. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. This has been Finding the Way. Thanks for listening to Finding the Way with Ryan LaVarnway. 
Find previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.